The theme for the afternoon uh, talk is Beyond uh, Self and Other. A day or two ago I mentioned um, how easy and understandable it is that a person coming to participate in a retreat will understandably consider it as a time to be with oneself, to look into oneself, to get to know oneself better, to be more clear about what needs to be developed or changed or moved on from or brought into one's life and much, much, much more more, uh, there. And in the conventions of the way of looking at things, uh, it would seem appropriate, it is uh, uh, understandable, and by, shall we say, common consensus, the uh, meditation process is about uh, oneself. And therefore it is some time, even for those of you who are with your friends or relatives or partner, whatever, time for some uh, renewal, a certain trust that in the silence that takes place, that afterwards mutual sharing and understanding of the experience can take place. And a greater love and empathy and appreciation for each other, whether for he or she who is here, or elsewhere uh, in one's life. So the construct, it is a construct of self and other, certainly has a place and importance in one's life. The problem, and it's a big one, (laughs) the, the problem goes that along with it is that in the thinking... In the imagination, in the view, in the conversations, that is all that one ever talks about. As if life was confined, restricted and defined only by self and other. And the other, of course, can be uh, the person or the group. The other also can be the material world. The uh, other can be what one likes or dislikes. And therefore it can include the idea, it can include the job, it can include money, it can include football, surprise, surprise, <laughs> and m- much, much m- more. Actually, I woke up with rather a good idea to completely transform football. <laughs> but, uh, the, this is possibly the fruits of 50 years of meditation. <laughs> so i better tell you my new idea quickly. <laughs> Mostly to get it off the chest. And I talked a little bit with uh, Ava, who is a kind of football philosopher. And um, in mid-1860s, I know there were many women here and not interested in football. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I I had a beautiful Danish 
lovely, beautiful. I'm sorry, it's Swedish partner. <laughs> Some twenty uh, year, year, years ago uh, uh, there, and I commented. This has got nothing to do with the talk, and n- nor is my idea for football. But <laughs> 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 you, don't, you don't even have to take any notes. It's just <laughs> And um, I uh, and I said to her, there are guys around, and she had no interest in football. She said there are guys around who say that seeing a really great goal is better than sex. And <laughs> <laughs> she asked, God, what guys are that? And then. <laughs> There was the, I think it was the European Championships, and we were at home, and I said, look, look, look watch, I'll explain, you know, you know, and talk about it to, uh, with you. And Sweden were playing. <laughs> and Sweden got a, a goal, it was a great goal, I still remember her sitting on the couch with her, she had no interest in football, and Sweden got this goal. And she's actually from a Swedish uh, ancestral Viking royal family, and she had that kind of blood with her. And she jumped off the Sofa. She said, wow, what a goal like that. And she said, you're right, it's better than sex. (laughs) And I said to her, you're not supposed to say that. (laughs) So my new idea with football. Very quickly. In the 1860s, when the English started this game of uh, football, so-called invented uh, this, this game, the guys at that time were certainly around, whatever, maybe 20 metres, 20 metres, 20 centimetres shorter than people today, they're 160 centimetres, 165 centimetres. So the goals were framed, size up for the guys. But today... Some of these guys, especially in the goals, as we know, they're 185 centimetres, 190 centimetres. And the, the energy thrust with most games is the goal. Simple, very cheap solution. <laughs> Expand the size of the goal. <laughs> half a, half a, I discussed with Ava, half a metre, that way. Half a metre that way. We'd have more goals, more energy, <laughs> more passion. And I'd read today only 16 games out of 50 games so far, whatever, has it, has, has it been with uh, more than a goal difference. So, anyway, you, you, so uh, I'm sure the, uh, the corrupt organisation called FIFA will agree with this. And, <laughs> And we'll have more exciting football because there'll be more goals. Oh, anyway, what was the subject? No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, self, self and, the self and other uh, uh, dynamic. So the mindfulness and the awareness, with the process of the meditation uh, there, um, has in the dynamic, as I mentioned, about self with other. The other also, and appropriately, conclude include the object of the meditation, the breath, the body, the states of mind, the happiness, the, the gladness, and, um, and much, much more, and the themes that 
Nicole touched upon with you uh, today with um, the impermanence and the fading away and, and change and much, much more. How much of the daily conversations, for a moment here, uh, around self and other, quite often people and things and uh, roles. But very easily in the communications of self and uh, other, we may not notice and we may not realise how much habit and pattern comes into the communication. And sometimes in the talking with another, we are feeding into that self-other, we are feeding into it perhaps our fears and they're being passed over to the other person, our worries. We are feeding into it our blame, our fault-finding with ourselves and uh, with others. And hardly realise in the momentum of the conversation which is taking place how much is going on in our kind of unresolved stuff which has been transferred to the other and then, and then being transferred back. And so the conversation doesn't end up with any insight or clarity. It can be two people or more than two people kind of feeding in unconsciously a kind of uh, unhealthy and unhelpful conditioning. And this is the exaggeration of the self and other dynamic uh, uh, there. And it would be worthwhile and helpful for us in the daily life to bring this key factor of respect, which is both for ourselves and for others, in which we really say to ourselves and remind ourselves in the dynamic, may it be that each time I speak, whoever and whatever that might be, to or about, may I really approach that really mindfully and really clearly. And if I can't do that, I'm not going to speak. That one has a real commitment to this, to be really careful of feeding problematic life by the manner of the speaking. And it's very easy to get into these long, extended conversations which honestly are not leading anywhere because there isn't the clarity and the mindfulness to be very careful with the speech. And as I say, our communications in the daily life, surely out of respect for the other and for ourselves, to be extraordinarily vigilant and caring about every word that comes out of our mouth and its short or long-term uh, uh, impact. And that might, might and quite often does mean from us a willingness, if one feels it's just chatter, 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 or fear, 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 anxiety, 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 there, there, to actually bring the communication to a halt. I just had, just recently, with this self-other uh, dynamic, person said to me with a very, very best friend who they've known each other since the school uh, is beginning to realise just how much of the negative uh, is in the communication and she finds it tiring uh, 
and she's finding herself resisting and a friend justifies it and says well I'm being honest I'm being truthful I'm just this is how I feel about things and you're my friend you should be able to listen to me etc and she says I'm tired of it I'm tired of listening this way and easily in the negative there is the justification for it you're my friend you should be able to listen to me and uh, so forth there and I said, see if it's possible that you have a conversation with the person with an agreement at the very, very beginning there that whatever you speak about, disclaiming, fault-finding, what's wrong, will not enter into it. See if you can have a communication which is healthy and kind and supportive and caring and have a conversation on it. And to really be mindful of each other if this creeps in. For the simple reason, and it's a fairly obvious reason, if we are talking in the negative, negative, negative about things there, when the person goes away, as obviously will happen, that same pattern will be going on in an internal voice inside. Guaranteed. Don't think one can have a negative conversation with another and not have it inside. It will continue. There'll be no release. And that agitation and those angers and resentments there, what that does for the human being as a sentient creature on this earth, what that does, it eats, it eats up happiness. It eats, it consumes peace of mind it robs you of the capacity to love that's what it does it's just not worth it and therefore I say as I mentioned a few moments ago that in our relationship of the self and other which is the aspect of the uh, I haven't forgotten the title is an aspect of the world that Communication, either by the text, uh, the email, by the phone call, by the direct uh, word. That if we have a sense, if it's the written word here, that we've, it's a reaction. It's not coming from a place of place, it's a reaction. Usually best to sleep on it and wait. And plenty of times, on all sorts of things, I know for myself, I've written something there. And I've uh, thought, no, 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 no. Even though, yes. (laughs) And just waited to the next day. Quite often, it got deleted. That's it. But when the word is out of the mouth, in front of the other, too late for deletion it's been heard and we may in our agitation or in our anger say might say oh in my communication with you my communication with this or that I'm getting it off my chest there's no virtue in that oh it's a relief for me 
there, well, there are plenty of angry people around getting things off their chest there, but it lands inside somebody else. And we do not know what the impact is on the other. And so the other hears this, and when the other hears it, some people really are sensitive creatures do genuinely find it difficult to handle somebody else's anger. Uh, so one person says, oh, got it off my chest. And the other person says, I think I'll see a lawyer for a divorce. <laughs> I'm fed up with being attacked, criticised, blamed, argued with, uh, etc. So the mindfulness is conscious of self and other, of what is expressed and the impact of what is expressed, respectful to oneself and respectful to others. And if one's got a lot on one chest, then go and find a forest and <laughs> trees can absorb it. Just go and yell and shout at the, 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 the trees, they'll understand. <laughs> Maybe. Rather than upon the other. Uh, and when we do, because sometimes there is pressure and we lose it, so to, so to speak. One's responsibility is to take accountability for whatever one says or writes, and the immediate is apology. Kids, doesn't matter how young they are, babies, and children, and adults, and parents, and friends, and partners, once one, one knows, one's just reacted. And it's not, it's unkind, unth unthoughtful, uh, there may be that we can follow up with an apology. We lost it. It's not about the other. It's about the unresolved here. And that helps the other to understand and she or he is then much less likely to take this whole thing personally because the person has got the maturity, the maturity and the clarity and the mindfulness to say, whoa, pressure had built and it, and it came out and there's no justification for it. And that makes every communication we have a real practice in much which we are practicing here. Mindfulness, concentration, loving-kindness, friendship, um, the ability to recognize the outer and the inner. And then, as I mentioned, the, we give lots of exploration to that world. It is a kind of world there. And there's a couple of you more, uh, actually, but what, what is the reference uh, there when I said... Um, Perhaps we are here, and it's not about self and other, in the way that I spoke to you for a, a little while. And then one person uh, responded uh, to me here, um, what uh, occurred to them, and I think it was a very good example here of what I had in, in mind, and there are others, and I will touch on those in a moment. And one is, is connection. Connection is extraordinarily important fabric of life and connection in uh, uh, that way um, is 
both elemental, we breathe in, we breathe out, we connect with the air element. Our backsides connect with the cushion, uh, with the ground, with the chair, whatever it uh, might be. We connect with the sky above and the earth below. We connect with the trees, plants and people. We connect, we connect, we are connected. We cannot last a single moment without the connection and the support from all that which is around us. It is not possible for a self-existence. There is no such thing, as uh, Buddha said with alarming frequency. There is no such thing as a self-existent. It's not, not, not possible. We cannot be without the elements. We cannot be without all of this which is, a, a, which is around us. And so the moments of connection can be in the biggest sense, the larger global sense, cosmic sense, universal sense, and they are precious and important to us. And there are times as well in which the connection which takes place also and equally can be deep with the other there. But that in that depth of communication or uh, uh, sharing, it may go spoken or unspoken, but it's to appreciate and acknowledge the depth there. And these deep intimacies uh, uh, with life, it is not just about self and other. It's actually, which is in the picture and in the story and in the memory, but it's a reminder of just extraordinarily how deep it can be, how deep we can touch with a piece of music, with a poem, with a walk in the forest, with making love, with sharing a moment together, countless other ways for access to the deep, to deep the deep. And it would be, it's unfortunate if the connection, which is a great one and, of course, the heart and soul of these kind of teachings, it would be unfortunate if we lose the best of all connections, which is a connection with the deep, with what is deep. There. And sometimes some can stay steady with it in a kind of trust. And I have a, a small um, example of this. My um, um, great aunt, she in Warrington in the north of England in the marketplace had a small uh, stool and she sold sweets and chocolates. Whole working life she had this small stool and she sold sweets and chocolates. That's what she did. It's a true story. In the next stall was George, I'm a, I'm a, who is my great uncle, who, and it's actually uh, I'm, my middle name is named after him. And George had a fruit and veg stall. And George was married, <coughs> married to Flo. My aunt was in love with George. Never said a word just in love 
had no interest in anybody else, never got married, just some very deep connection with George and bless him, he didn't have a clue. Uh, and then, when Flo, his good wife, was in her early 60s, Flo died. And out of that, George, after 38 years, noticed <laughs> Daisy in the chocolate store. <laughs> and they got married. <laughs> she was very happy, and they lived together for around 20 years. Be patient. <laughs> sometimes with love and it's uh, deep and uh, 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 connection we hear of these extraordinary acts and expressions in countless ways just one of the expressions uh, of love and the important thing with love and the connection with it, the important thing with truth, the important thing with ethics or whatever, it has some deep and something abiding about it. It stays with us. If, if love is authentic, it will, has a staying power to it. Days, weeks, months, years, the whole life for some. If truth is really there it really has some meaning for us, meaning for us. It has a staying power to it. So the, the, the teachings of the, and the body of the teachings will and do say to us, in a way, that we're not going to be in denial of the dynamic of self and other. The sentient other, people, animals and so forth, and the insentient uh, other things, ideas and concepts and uh, materials and so forth. We're not going to avoid or deny any of that. We're going to address that. And this is called relative truth, conventional truth, people's agreement about all these things. There. One can look and say, as an example, here is the nation state called Germany uh, there. It, Germany's not out there. There's no line. There's nothing that says this is Germany uh, there or this is that country. So we say, oh, the world has got 195 countries in it. The world, the earth doesn't have it. Human beings have agreed and disagreed violently, as we know, about where the lines are. The lines were made in there and they were put out there. Uh, there. Our depth is recognizing the and acknowledging the relativity called countries on the earth, saying, yes, yes, there are all these agreements and disagreements and violent ones and we're going to attend to that. But looking deeper and connecting with the earth as the earth, not all split and divided up with all the fractions that go with it. And that, looking uh, deeper, into a deeper connection with life, opens up all sorts of possibilities because it's out of 
us and them thinking, self and other, we and they, and all the horror, horror that's gone along with this view, views there. And if we, in this exploration, also, amongst the other ways of looking uh, as well, another important aspect of being out of self and other, it's a really precious one, is silence. Silence is, talk about being golden, it's, it's more better than gold. And to, to really know silence. So I'm not working on the other, I'm not working on myself, but there is a silence. That silence may reveal itself in the middle of the night. And in its, uh, we wake up, and sometimes, or in the meditation hall, the silence can be so strong in the senses, it's palpable. It's not like a quiet, just being it's quiet. A silence is much more than that. And not surprisingly, uh, the Buddha used this uh, language when things were deep and profound and important, noble. So you speak of noble silence. So it's not just the absence of activity, but it's human being capacity to rest in the silence. And that connection, another example of it, with the silence, the real connection with the silence, it may reveal more than all of our thoughts, all of our memory, our conditioning and our habit. That sometimes out of the silence of the being, something emerges completely new to us. Which we never got by a lot of talking, never got by a lot of busyness in the mind. We needed the silence, as here, and so the, the body of the teachings in a simple but direct way says, here is the knowledge, the knowledge of the teachings in the afternoon, the knowledge that Nicole shared with you in the instructions in the morning. We listen in the silence. There. We abide in the silence to see what is useful. And then we sometimes understand with the words travelling through the air, through the silence, they travel through the silence, they land and sometimes we listen and something touches us and when it touches the deep, it stays for a long time. One knows something important. And sometimes people will uh, uh, say to me, Oh Christopher, do you remember that inquiry we had in 1989? It really touched me. No, I don't remember, etc. Or in that talk you gave in ma 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 ma, etc. Years later, I understood something. Years later, it got clear to me. And it's extraordinary how listening in the silence, language passing through the air with as much love as I can find and care and support, that though it may not be clear and got the depth in the moment, our practices, our receptivity to teachings and practices in many traditions, not just ours, in many traditions, that something is moving around in the, in the deep. 
something is fermenting, something is going on inside, we may not even know it, and it's going on inside, and sometimes something that you and I have heard, or you and I have read, and we've been more receptive than we realise, we didn't realise we made a connection with it, with something that was said or read. And then, that moving around in the deep is going, and one day, whoa, ah, clear, got it, understood it. And this is the combination of wise knowledge, the useful application of the language, the inner quietness of the being, the receptivity, and sometimes something emerges. And we know, we just know, the intuitions, the, the visceral feeling inside, well, this is important, this is valuable. And that really gives incredible support to, uh, to, our, to our lives. You know, sometimes, and it may be the same for you, um, you listen to teacher teachers as only one expression, and sometimes it can come, obviously, from uh, anybody. And a small circumstance or incident ta uh, takes place. Yeah. And then suddenly, something which was important, which was said to us days, weeks, months, years before, which we hadn't thought about, suddenly just comes to our support. Kind of, it's been there. We haven't given it a single thought. We just had allowed ourselves to be receptive at that time. And sometimes days, weeks, months, decades later, and the emergence of it comes in its own way. And I'm just speaking to Nicole a little while ago. During, just on the personal for a moment, um, I spent ten years from what was called the, the, the Summer of Love that was in uh, England didn't get into the autumn, the winter or the spring but it was the <laughs> Summer of Love and some of us mm, hippies made the overland journey and through here Germany and Turkey and uh, 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 on, onwards so many of course the vast majority turned around after a, at some point and then came back home uh, there having a good experience of some travel and hitchhiking some of us just kind of kept on going partly with a sort of what is there to go back to on that wet and windy island <laughs> so we, we just kept going and uh, took uh, uh, ordination so my mother asked me, uh, asked me, you better <laughs> um, send regular letters to her. Uh, so letters and postcards, because this is 1960s and 70s uh, there, and she kept them in shoeboxes uh, there. And finally, finally, after postponing it for a long, long time, started looking at them, and there are about probably 15 or 20 diaries, so the letters to my uh, mother and stepfather um, were obviously heavily censored. So all the interesting bits were kept for the diaries, and all the things that they wouldn't worry about, 
whatever, sex, drugs and rock and roll and a few other things. Um, uh, that, that was kept for the, for the diaries and the monk's life and etc. And how it is, and you may have this experience, so there were, there are 427 letters and email in folders I sorted them all out uh, last uh, year, one year, 1967, 1968, 1969. And uh, so I'm putting this memoir together. It is slightly... Ironic, this is why I kept postponing it. Because how can a teacher of non-self <laughs> be writing a book, which is a memoir, in which every sentence is more or less, I, me and my. I mean, you know, it didn't, <laughs> doesn't quite sit comfortably with this person, etc. But I promised faithfully I would do it, so I'm uh, doing it. This is the important thing. And look at descriptions of situations which had an impact on sometimes the letters and sometimes in the diary. And I can remember it like if it was yesterday. The place, the time, the event, it just it's as fresh as it ever was. And we're talking 50 years ago to 40 years ago, 1967 to 1977. Uh, the title of this memoir is going to be 10 Years and 10 Days, because that was the time... I was doing this single loop travel around the world. And some of it is fresh as ever, just incredible. Even the feelings start coming up, you know, these dramas. <laughs> but there are other situations which I read. Uh, there might be a you know, page or a few paragraphs. It, it looks dramatic. I cannot remember it. I'm reading something which somebody else might have written. I just can't remember it. How could I forget that? All sorts of things there. And then there are, there are uh, other things kind of in the middle. You see how the human being with our past, it's so selective, you know, choice, what? Uh, and there, there are some things, I read it, and I can just, rem just remember a little bit, but I can't remember more. It's kind of in its bareness. There's no colour just the bareness and okay so we're right with just about from uh, the bareness and then as has been happening sometimes a day a week a few months later boom it's back you know how in this inner life this inner world that goes on and the, the self that goes with it we hardly know just what's in there what is really significant for us and some, the experience is incredibly strong, though it's decades old. Some, what was that about? Them? No clue. And it, you know, it didn't make it up. All sorts of things. So this listening, yes, so once again, into the inner world, the receptivity, to repeat, one contribution is silence. It is silence. Another contribution, as spoken to uh, a few minutes ago, is around connection. Uh, another uh, contribution to nourish receptivity is stillness. These elements of silence and stillness are uh, precious. And sometimes in our response, 
even in the meditation hall and at other times. We are, to show the extraordinaries with the stillness, sometimes we are very, very still, physically still, inwardly quite st uh, still. There's very little thoughts which are going on in the mind in the stillness. And we might just move our little finger or twiggle our toe. And the thought arises, I've done too much. I moved away from the stillness. Just that little bit of movement, what was that about? Etc. So sometimes, not for a whole sitting period or a whole walking or standing uh, period, but there may be moments in the period of extraordinary stillness. And that stillness, with the mindfulness and consciousness, it organ with the silence, it organically takes one deeper. Consciousness has nowhere to go but go deeper. And that, again, as I mentioned, can contribute to some receptivity. And if on the way of going deeper, and the connection with the deep and the liberating aspect, if on the way something obstructs, you know, some agitation, some old pattern, a painful memory, a difficulty or whatever, okay, let me deal with that. That's, that's a hindrance, as the Buddha says. It hinders, it gets in the way. Okay, well, let me work with that, whatever that might be. If on the way down, in the duck, the appreciation, the, the gladness, and the happinesses, and the, the joy of life, that's what we touch upon, right? We don't want to be interested in method and technique. Say, so, okay, let me just experience this happiness and this joy. If some thoughts arise which are about the future, touched upon yesterday uh, with you, sometimes we know that in and with regard uh, to the future there, that the circumstances, the outcome, has too many unknowns in it. You're thinking about the future, you're experiencing some unknown, uh, etc. You know well and clearly that in some situations it's not just your decision. It's a joint decision. It's the cooperation of the others. One just doesn't know how things will work out. It would be really unfortunate to give a lot of time and thought and speculation about the future and how it will be when one simply cannot know. <coughs> What's the point? What's the point of speculating how the future will be when so many others are involved and one just doesn't know? And that requires from us a certain silence and a willingness to stay with not knowing also out of the self and other I don't know what will be she, he, they don't know what will be that's the truth we must stay 
uh, honest to the truth. That is the truth. Sometimes we do not know. And that may be what has to be stated. Because that's the truth. And if we find it difficult to be with not knowing, it will increase the level of thought. The thought, the cognition, is trying to know how it will be. And all of that thinking is an avoidance and a staying away from not knowing. Life has got as many unknowns in it as it has knowns. It has to. It has to. Life has many unknowns has known. And it's up to us to be as clear as possible with the unknowns. Because it's so tiring and worrying and exhausting to be thinking about that which I don't know. And if you and I recognize the truth of that and we can stay prepared and conserve the energy and be healthy, contented human beings, we'll have the energy and the focus to be able to handle that situation because we haven't wasted it on thinking about unknowns. And if there is something in the future which one knows, this will take place. One knows this is going to you know, uh, happen, whatever that might be. It's obvious. Prepare. That's all. Prepare. That's all. You know this is going to happen. You know you're going to have to meet this person. You know you're going to go after this job. You know you're going to uh, hopefully meet the love of your life right after the retreat or during it. All right. <laughs> prepare. <laughs> so it's the clarity of the being in life where, uh, with knowing there, but also being honest and truthful when there's some unknowing which is going uh, uh, on. So in our exploration outside the self and other, connection in the wider sense, really applying that to the daily life, really getting a sense of this. And just on that, for example, I use myself, if I may say, as a small example of this. Some people <coughs> feel in their life they should be more connected, more connected with uh, other people, and more social. I don't think anybody would say of Christopher that I'm a social butterfly or, uh, or anything like that. And, and some people do socialise a lot. You know, they like to go to parties and have a glass of red and sink their teeth into some poor chicken's leg or something. And all these things go on in the... In the uh, <laughs> apologies to the middle classes in the room. <laughs> so some people like this social life in, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, in that way. But there are some of us who are quite happy and, and content in having a sense of being out on the edge. Don't wish to be 
involved in that, 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 that. just quite happy out on the edge of, uh, of things. And so we may not feel very social and very chat, 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 uh, etc. We just, we just uh, uh, like it. So sometimes it happens, unfortunately, we get invited to some <laughs> party or some, e- uh, some e- event. And my first question I have is, is there any dancing? Because if there's, if there's dancing, it means I don't have to talk to people. <laughs> there. And it was that when I was just sitting, people were chatting, 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 chatting. Uh, then I'm just sitting on a chair and having a nice glass of red and a couple of crisps or whatever. And one of the people came over and said, I'd like uh, to introduce you to Christopher. This person's on lots of retreats. And she said, I'd like to introduce you to Christopher. This is Christopher, but he doesn't talk very much. (laughs) (laughs) I said, exactly. (laughs) So sometimes we just like the silence and like the the quiet and say uh, a few words and after five minutes say, I have to go to the toilet and whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's the escape strategy. <laughs> oh dear! Somebody asked me what I did. I said I was a a, uh, a Dharma teacher, and they said, "Oh, you're a drama teacher." <laughs> yes, you could say that. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! All right. So connectedness, silences. Still, stillness is the expanse of things, uh, the wonders of life, there, the uh, uh, sense of the intimacy of life, the expressions of love, something often much, much bigger than just the self and other. It might reflect and mirror itself through self and other, of course, of course it might. But the deep appreciation is, is for that a, a larger sense of things and as I said earlier in the retreat this larger sense of things puts our event that means our life and our, each other's life into a perspective and that is tremendous support having a balanced perspective on the world of self and other because we know through our experience through our exploration there is much more to life than just self or and other much, much more and we can know that and the authority of experience confer- uh, confirms it. Let's have our quiet minute, shall we? <coughs> May all beings explore self and other. 
may all beings remember the larger expanse. May all beings live with love and liberation. I may um, just at this time, with you, just take a couple of uh, minutes with regard to the uh, uh, donations which we'll do after the talk and the final uh, uh, afternoon. So, with the wonderful uh, support that the Seminar House uh, gives us all while we're here, before we arrived and after, and the tremendous efforts to endeavour to keep these courses and retreats as affordable as possible, to enable people from the range of uh, incomes and studies to uh, come and uh, be here. And that's through the real mindfulness and care with costs and many other uh, aspects, but uh, also, of course, with the the support of the tradition itself. So when uh, Nicole and I, as with the other teachers, we uh, come, the cost of what you kindly uh, gave for being here also includes in that the, the travel. So I was in power enough before, before coming here, so the uh, courses, that means the two of them, can divide the cost between one for the journey here, the other the journey back, etc. And Nicole too as well, I mean, just coming here from uh, Munich uh, uh, together. So we very kindly receive from the uh, seminar house here the uh, cost of our travel expenses and we also wish to stay uh, connected and keep the trust with a rather lovely long-standing tradition called dana, D-A-N-A. And the meaning of the word, and some of you of course have participated with many retrieves, has a variety of meanings. It means generosity, it is the gift, it is the, the practice, it is the donation, it is the uh, uh, offering, and this approach um, makes it also more affordable for people because the cost is the, the teachers are not making a charge to come when it is not a system that we employ of payment for services. And I remember, I think it was a year ago, talking with uh, Nicole where she was very uh, much invited to um, uh, give a uh, course and in this case uh, with the people who participated in, as part of a training program the organisation um, kindly offered to Nicole uh, uh, the payment for a week with the practitioners. Fine, useful uh, method and the most common one to use. You kind of payment for the period of, uh, of time. And Nicole and I were speaking about it uh, uh, afterwards and uh, she said to me there's such a different feeling of trust 
and heartfulness and people just giving as they might wish. There's something rather lovely about this kind of, it's unusual, but this kind of exchange that uh, uh, takes place in which people offer and uh, give and that gives us real, real support. And it's a really lovely, lovely way of working. And others are beginning to do this as well. A friend of mine, he's an orchestra leader. And he told me that there's only two weeks ago that he <coughs> and the orchestra uh, there who provide a lovely, lovely uh, service and it's a kind of transcendent thing but he also said that nearly most people who come to a symphony orchestra are elderly, older most are uh, 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 older so they uh, have agreed that in future uh, there anyone who is in their teens young younger uh, can come without paper we, we have uh, in Totnes we have programs and courses that are going on in a whole variety of things and it's just on donation and I think the spirit of sharedness and generosity and uh, donation uh, there is really take some trust of course but it's a lovely lovely way to uh, to work but it needs to be shared and explored and communicated and with this tradition of it 2,000 3,000 years uh, old some of us like Nicole and I and uh, uh, some of the other teachers as well uh, wishing to stay true to it and as much as possible keep that voice alive partly because it makes things more affordable for people and in some programs like in India and uh, in Israel everything is on donation everything Uh, and somehow uh, it works and with it comes a responsibility from those who receive in this case Nicole and I and that uh, responsibility is that in receiving the donations for our support, as the tradition has made and stated regularly enough, everything which we received is to be used mindfully and respectfully and sensitively because it's a gift which has been given to us. And therefore, the application of its use is for, of course, the necessities with regard to the home life and the clothing and the food and all the extra work that comes in outside of the retreats in terms of the websites and the emails and the organising and the uh, meetings and all the technology that goes along with all, all of that the employment of people as well do some hours of work for us and much much more besides and that's uh, made possible by yourselves and by uh, others to give support to the Sangha, give support to the teachers, and we kind of flow along uh, uh, like this. And somehow or other, in all the changes that go on in our life, and daughter in education, and daughter in marriage, and daughter and single mum with four kids, and and all, all that. Somehow the uh, kindness and the support 
give support to the household, give support to uh, the daughter and the grandkids and uh, much, much more beside. We have a lovely school in um, uh, India, which I started about 28 uh, years ago, and money from you, sometimes very directly, some of you here very kindly given some donation for the school, and from uh, myself, and that just helps to keep the school, uh, makes it possible for the school to run. So, you know, it's very much money flows in, use it sensitively, respectfully, flows out, and keeps it flowing along in, uh, in this way. And it also sends up just finally a rather nice message, because there is quite some concern, and I hear the voices regularly, that sometimes in the areas of yoga, spirituality, Buddhist tradition, mindfulness, courses, etc., sometimes the word industry is being used. Spiritual industry, a religious industry, and the costs go up and up. And online courses, several thousand dollars, it goes up and up and and it makes it unavailable to uh, to other people as well. So keeping in this uh, spirit of uh, in this way, the wish to keep it as affordable as possible. And all of you, all of us, we uh, uh, make a contribution in that uh, way. And the, and when people come and say, well, how much are the teachers getting out of this? What do they, what, what's their charge for for that? I mean, I know one teacher, ex-Buddhist monk, he has regular meetings with a CEO, his charge for one hour is £1,000. And the CEO says, it's worth it because my business is improving or whatever it might be. I personally would not feel comfortable with that. To, sh- to show the variations on the themes here, uh, there, and when people say, "Oh, the teachers are not being paid; they're relying on donations," it immediately, oh, are they? It immediately triggers a trust. Oh, it's not money making. It's, it's sharing. It's offering. It's giving support to. And it's a very in our world that we live in, so materialistic. I think it's a very precious and important message to to go out as well. So, somewhere around there'd be a d- donation bowl. I, don't, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? No. We'll, we'll find uh, Wolfgang. <laughs> we'll, we'll, try, we'll, we'll try and find it before you go. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>